The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to the Radiate Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Clemens Hoffman. Each week we will discuss tools, tips, and ways to radiate your best life ever, interviewing practitioners, authors, and luminaries to help you on your path. Wellness, joy, peace, abundance. What do you want to radiate? Hi, and welcome to the Radiate Wellness Podcast. Today, I am joined by Crystal Webster, who is a repeat uh, guest on this show. We are going to radiate gratitude today because Crystal has a new book, and that is Confessions of a Griever. So the Confessions of a Griever, taking a hot mess and turning it into an oat massage <laughs> I love that title. Um, thank you so much, Crystal, for joining me today. I'm trying to adjust my view here. There we go. We've got both of us here. Hi. Hi. Oh, it's so good to see you again. It's been forever. Oh, we, well, at least since the middle of March. Yes. When we all went on lockdown here in the Kansas City area. Mm-hmm. So, Crystal, did I get the title right? I was reading from the from the from your website, but I didn't have the... Um, um, the subtitle in front of me. Yeah. Is that right? Turning, oh, and now I see it. Turning a hot mess into an oat massage. Laughable lessons for when life just sucks. Yeah. Yep. You needed to write that book, didn't you? I sure did. Because yeah. sometimes, I mean, let's be honest. Sometimes life just sucks. There's no, there's no, there's no mints and words. There's no two ways around it. Life just sucks, such as when you lose a child, which we talked about the first time you were on, Mm -hmm. and you have really taken that grief and turned it into beauty. And I love, absolutely love what you've done, not only to get yourself up out of the depths of grief, but to help others who are actively grieving. So, you know, you could have done that with speaking engagements you could have done it with you know you've got your sharing solace token that people can share with other grievers but but why a book that is a good question (laughs) 
<laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to stump you. No. <laughs> and I, I honestly, um, you know, I, I, and you, you've heard this statistic, you know, the, the saying that everyone has a book in them and everyone should try to write a book and everyone starts a book, but only 2% of people ever finish their book. Mm-hmm. Um, but to be perfectly honest, this almost just fell into my lap, the opportunity to do this. Also. So I had attended a conference a year and a half ago. Uh, met some amazing people in LA um, from all over the country and actually all over the world. And one of them was from um, the Washington DC area who knows a professor at Georgetown. Um, and he runs, he's, he's developing, I guess, this uh, book writing class. And somehow our names were, inter- you know, exchanged and uh, we had a little conversation and he was like, I really think that you have some words inside you that need to be put on the page. And if you will come along on this journey with me, your book will be out next May. Oh my gosh. And I just kind of got the, the goosebumps and realized I couldn't not do it. Because everything that's so important to me happens in May. Right. And well, and this book came out May 19. And mm-hmm. I know that you have a very special story about that date and why the book needed to be launched then. Yeah. Can you so my that? Madeline's birthday is May 19th. Yeah. Um, she would have been 10 this year. So for her 10th birthday, instead of Barbies and ponies and LOL dolls and whatever else 10 year olds want. Um, she got a book. Yeah. So this was my birthday present to her this year. Wow. Well, you know, every child has a birthday, but moms have that birthday too. Mm-hmm. That's the day that you became a mom. Yep. And I know that that was also a day that was very bittersweet for you. I, I like to say that, you know, I mean, Every mother wants to make their children proud of them. What, however they became a mother, however they currently are a mother. Um, I try to make my Madeline proud of me every single day. I just get to look up when I talk to her instead of down. Right. <clears throat> and um, sadly, sadly, uh, the day she was born was also very close to the, the time she left as well. Mm-hmm. And that I know that truly, truly sucks. That is probably the worst thing that any mom could ever imagine. Yeah. And we talked quite a bit the first time that you were on the the podcast about how you were able to pull yourself up out of grief it's been a while since I talked to you last, about a year, I think. Yeah. And so what do you think this process of writing the book and connecting, just like connecting with the grievers in your community, your Sharing Solace community? Of course, you're, I want to share your website, which is sharingsolace.com. But you've been reaching out and touching a lot of people in grief. How do you think that's changed? What is What has blossomed? What has grown for you in this past year? Um, 
Well, first of all, I don't believe that you ever end grief. Grief never truly ends. You just kind of learn to carry it in a more efficient way than early on in your grief journey. Mm -hmm. Um, There will always be things that I miss about my Madeline or trigger me to have a bad day or, you know, those kind of things. But I hope that I'm able to have more positive, uplifting, fulfilling days over the long term. And when I do think about Madeline, you know, occasionally there are tears, but oftentimes there are tears of happiness and tears of, you know, joy. Um, but I've, I've really been able to um, connect with people in a different way through just writing this book and getting feedback from the book. Um, Cause it is such a touchy subject. I mean, nobody wants to talk about grief, um, but it's something that everyone experiences. And so I feel like it's important to talk about, but it's not always the fun thing to talk about. Um, So trying to find a way that makes it maybe a little bit more fun or humorous um, and getting other people's thoughts and reactions and advice to kind of my kind of outside the box thinking probably a good way of putting it. So I've got to have some really cool in-depth conversations with people that I might not have otherwise about a topic that's very close to my heart. Right. Right. And when you do start scratching the surface of people who are going through grief, turns out there are a lot of parents who are going through this. Mm-hmm. And so Did you write this book for them or did you write this book for a broader audience? Um, So I wrote this book for Madeline, to be perfectly honest. (laughs) Um, But to me, grief is grief. Uh And I don't care if it's the loss of a child or the loss of a pet or a job or a spouse or a partner. Um, Grief is grief. And to say that my grief is better or worse than your grief is crap. (laughs) It's just different. It's just different. Um, You know, I can say that the worst grief that I've ever experienced is the loss of my child. But to say that that is the worst grief there is to experience is not, not true. No, no. So this book is really for anyone that's experienced any sort of grief. And I actually have a list of all, it's not an all-inclusive list, but there's a list in the book of things that you can grieve. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm, I'm just kind of laughing here. I mean, because you treat this subject like you treat your life with whimsy, with fun, with joy. Yeah, through grief, you know, you, you look at the whole picture. It's not just the depths of the grief. You, you look at joyful aspects as well. I mean, for crying out loud, look at these beautiful flowers behind you. There's whimsy (laughs) in your bright pink. It's like the pink and the green are your signature colors. And, uh, (laughs) and so you do treat everything with, with a sense of fun and joy and life and vibrancy and whimsy. And I just want to recognize you for that. So looking at your book's landing page, 
So there, you've got this, these wonderful quotes from, from people. Um, it says, I laughed, I cried, and sometimes at the same time. And you say, um, Crystal helps readers understand why you should go duck yourself. Why you don't get to call her husband an a-hole. Why you should do more good shit. How you'll set yourself free. And oh, my grief can beat up your grief. So... Just, this is just hilarious. Um, so, yeah, can you, can you just talk about like the, the role of whimsy and the role of, of humor in your book? Well, I mean, I was always raised that you can either laugh or you can cry about the same, pretty much any scenario. And you're going to do one of the two. So you might as well laugh about it. Um. You know, and, and that's kind of along the lines of always trying to find the silver lining and, um, you know, so, uh, I mean, my, my husband and I have terrible, terrible jokes about my daughter, Madeline. We, we had her um, cremated and she's in a little urn on our bedstand. So I get to say goodnight to her every night. Um, but we tease that she's on the do not fly list. Because she's in a she's in a lead box. Come on. Um, yeah, no way she's getting through a TSA. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, so there's just kind of thing like, yes, I I do have those times that I am very down and and honestly I would do anything humanly and inhumanly possible to have her here with us today. I've tried. It didn't work. Right. Um, she wouldn't want me to be miserable for the rest of my life. No. Um, but she's still a huge part of my life. And so that's why, you know, we have little inside jokes with her and, and we still talk about her, you know? Um, and I have three nephews and my nephews know that they have a cousin that just is watching them from above. Right. Right. So, but yeah, if you're you're gonna laugh or you're gonna cry about it, so you might as well laugh. Might as well laugh. I love it. And there is just like such humor in this. Um, so like walk us through the book, Crystal. Like what could what can we expect? What kind of stuff would we read in your book? So it is a little bit my story. So it's a, a little bit the story of Madeline. Um, there's a lot of tips and tricks and things that have just kind of helped me as I move through my own grief. Um, you know, as far as, you know, like go duck yourself, that is a strategy that I used. <laughs> what is that? So there is a, it's almost like a programming, like a computer program or folklore and I, I'd have to look up the, but it's a, it's a term that they use for when you can't solve a problem. So like the kind of the story is, is that this programmer, this computer programmer can't solve something. And so he goes to talk to another coworker and immediately like comes up with the answer himself. And it's just the idea of talking to someone outside of your own head. Um, right. Right. So, like, to like duck out. 
Yes. Yeah. To duck out. I love it. Yeah. Sometimes we answer our own questions just by telling our problem to somebody. Exactly. Or, I mean, not even to someone, just to say the problem out loud. Mm-hmm. You come to a solution. So, oh, um, so yeah, it's a little bit my memoir. It's a little bit self-help. Um, it's a choose-your-own-grief guide. So, <laughs> like a choose-your-own-adventure. Exactly. Yes. I love it. So at the end of every, uh, they're like short chapters. At the end of every chapter, you get to decide where you want to go next. I love that. So you could be on page five and go all the way to the end, page 205, and then flip back to page 17. Um, Because it kind of also resembles how grief works. You don't linearly, and life in general, you know, you don't, it's not like, okay, one, two, three, sometimes it's A, Q, B, Z, T, S, you know. There's no one way to live life or live grief. Oh, that's absolutely right. And I'll, I'll bet you learned the hard way, you know, all the different ways that you can experience grief. I think we all do at some point. I just had the luxury of doing it in my 20s. That's a very good way to put it. That's a very good way to put it. You know, it's been... Well, let's see. I measure everything in terms of my daughter. She's 13. My dog died the summer before she was born, and I still grieve my dog. Yeah. I have another dog, and I have two other cats that came along since then, and I still grieve my dog. Yeah. Right? But it's, um, and I'm always surprised when that comes up. But we all have those. I think a lot of us collectively are grieving life pre coronavirus. Yes, I am finding that a lot right now in that and and people are not I don't think people understand that they're grieving Mm. um they're having this emotion and they don't quite know what it is and it's grief you're grieving the summer of 2020 that you thought you'd have you're grieving the end of the school year that didn't exist you're grieving you know the volleyball league that's been canceled um or the birthday party you didn't get to go to, mm-hmm. but people aren't quite able to realize that they're grieving. And if they are, they oftentimes, especially with Corona, they're brushing it under that gratitude rug. Yeah. And they're saying, well, at least I'm healthy. At least I still have a job. At least this, at least that. Mm-hmm. They're not, you can be both grateful and grieving at the same time. <laughs> that's kind of how I picture you, Crystal. Yeah, a lot of times. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like that's why we're radiating gratitude today. Exactly. But yeah, there's a lot. I mean, we can grieve things in our everyday life. I mean, we have, it can be something joyful, like a, a job change, a promotion or a different job, but we can still grieve, um, you know, the friends we left at our last job. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and during this coronavirus, of course, there's just so many things that we're missing right now. And um, I, I love how you broke that down for us, that we may be feeling emotions, but not really acknowledge what it is, truly. You know, there are a lot of kids who didn't get to have graduation. Yes. 
they didn't have get to have senior skip day. Yeah. <laughs> the field trips that they were planning on. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, this is um, this is a good point. So everybody's got a bit of grief, but everybody can work through it. Um, can you talk a bit about there was another? <laughs> okay. oh, oh, all of these little bullet points are just just gold. <laughs> uh, can you talk about why you don't get to call her husband an a-hole? Um, so that's kind of like my idea of platitudes. (laughs) So, you know, I, I am mostly happily married, actually 14 years today. I've been married to my husband. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. So, I mean, like we, I, I'm stuck with him for the rest of my life, you know, morally and legally obligated to him. (laughs) And I love him dearly, but I also know when he's being a jerk and when he is, you know, not, not when he, when he's being an a-hole and I get to call him out on that. That is like my privilege as, as his wife to call him out on that. Right. But the second that you start calling him names, we're going to step outside and have a rumble in the alley. You know, like, I get to, you don't. Right. I get to call my mom a bitch. You don't. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and I, I would think that my husband would feel the exact, like, he can call me. Well, we will, we will have words if he calls me too many four-letter words. Uh, but, you know. But he won't take it if somebody else calls me those word names or whatever. Um, and I feel that way about platitudes too. You know, everything happens for a reason, and God doesn't give you more than you can handle. And if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. Like those are things that when I'm ready, I get to say to myself. Yeah. You don't get to tell me those things. Yeah. What does that really mean? And what does that really do when someone says, well, She's better off. She's not in pain. Um, things always happen for a reason. What does that What does that do for someone in grief? Is that something appropriate? It kind of pours salt on their wound. You can be. I, I mean, my my grandfather just passed away. He oh. was ninety three years old, and he was you know getting he he was in pain and he didn't. And while I logically understand that, you know, now he's not in pain and there's, you know, all of the things that you can say to someone, I logically understand that, but that doesn't make my heart hurt any less. Right. Um, So for you to try to rationalize my grief, grief is not rational. Um, It just kind of, How do I say this nicely? We're <laughs> not saying it nicely, Crystal. <laughs> it's kind of like here. an STFU kind of thing. <laughs> and if anybody needs to Google STFU, I would encourage you to do that. Yes. <laughs> uh, it, it's basically a be quiet type of thing, you know? Put the F up, right. Yeah. 
Right. You know, it platitudes are there to make the person saying them feel better because they don't know what else to say. Yeah. And while I understand that, it's it's not my job to make you feel better. Like me as the griever, it's not my job as the griever to make you a person that's uncomfortable in my grief feel better. Mm. Um, so it's almost better just to not say anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I get it. Like I, I've caught myself from saying those platitudes myself to other people. Um, nice. But that's kind of where, where that comes from is I get to decide what my silver linings are and I get to decide what my reason is for everything happens. And I get to decide, you know, that they weren't in pain anymore. You don't get to tell me those things. Right. It's not your grief. Right. You know, right. And I would hope that you would give me the grace to understand that my grief is not rational. And I just need to feel my feels. And at some point I will become a rational human being again, theoretically. Exactly. But you decide your timeline. Yes. That is your timeline. And, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. Grief comes in fits and starts. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm 10 years into this journey. And there are times that I just, like, curl up in a ball. Like, just middle, middle of August is, like, the worst for me. Like, that first day of school every year. I don't always know when it's coming because I don't have any other kids that are going to school mm-hmm. um, until I see like those first day of school pictures and everybody's talking about going. And then I'm just like, oh, and I, I kind of just, you know, my mind, I'm triggered to, well, where would Madeline be and what grade would she be in and what would we be doing? And um, for some reason, like holidays, I kind of prepare myself for those. You know, Christmas comes every year. Hanukkah, Thanksgiving, those, you know that those are coming. If for no other reasons, Target tells you they're coming. <laughs> but the first day of school is never like the same time. Right. And it's just one of those, like, even though I know it's coming, I never know when it's coming kind of thing. And every year for the last... 10 years, it just hits me like a ton of bricks. Right. That's really hard. It is. I went through, um, it's a different type of grief, but infertility grief. And it was a terrible roller coaster. And there were so many reminders all around all the time. And it was, it's hard. Yeah. But yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing is we all have our own grief whether that happened two days ago or 20 years ago, or can we just give each other grace to realize that everyone is experienced. Everyone has an inner story that you, I can guarantee you don't know about and that they're, they're working through and they're grieving through. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's, let's just kind of be nice to each other. <laughs> Did you know that Radiate Wellness has a subscription-based premium content Facebook group? Think of it like the premium version of this free podcast. 
In this premium Facebook group, you can find great content like replays of online classes, meditations on angels, chakras, mindfulness, and more, guest speakers, mini classes, polls, plus you'll be the first to know of guests that we have scheduled for the podcast and can submit questions for them. You get all of this great content for one low monthly price, and the first month is half off. You can subscribe by going to radiatewellnesscommunity.com slash shop. Click the subscriptions button and you're in. Also, while I have your attention, wherever you're listening to this free podcast, if you could just do us a couple of favors, please. One is go to hit the subscribe or follow button. Then you'll be notified of all of the episodes we have coming out each week. Also, please rate and review. It sounds really simple, but it helps us to grow our audience when people are looking for great podcasts. And when we grow our audience, we can do bigger and better things and bring you even more great guests. So please do those couple of things, and that will help us grow this audience and this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. (laughs) That's always a good idea, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah, especially during this whole COVID thing, um, we may all be grieving different things differently at different times, but right now we're in the collective S pile. Yes. And at least when we're all going through very similar, we're not all going through the same thing, I cannot lie, but when we all kind of have this collective thing happening, we can at least be kind to each other. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, you, you were planning, oh my goodness, you've been planning this launch, this book launch and Marilyn's birthday. Yes, a year. And then all hell broke loose. Yes. So, right. How did you deal with that? How did you shift? Um, so I was really excited to have a, a, a real birthday party for her. Like I, I always do something special on Madeline's birthday. Um, Sometimes it's just releasing balloons. I've gone and bought cake for strangers, uh, you know. Um, But this was really kind of the first year that I was going to have a true birthday party for her. Um, Because I had a, like, I felt, as weird as it sounds, I felt like I had a reason to have a birthday party for her this year. Right. Like, I'm going to call it a birthday party, but it's a book launch party. And so people can't think I'm weird because I'm just launching this book. It's not really a birthday party for my dead daughter. It's a, it's a book launch party. Um, so I was really excited to, you know, have cake and ice cream and games and, and just do all the things that you do at a 10 year old's birthday party. And I couldn't because you can't, (laughs) you you just can't. Um, so I got creative. I did what all moms of 10-year-olds do. We took the birthday party online and and figured it out. Right, right. And so how did you move an entire birthday party slash book launch online? How does one do that? Uh, well, we had, I mean, like everything these days, it was a Zoom call. And we had, yeah, I don't know, 50 people on this Zoom call. And... Uh, 
everyone that said they were coming got a box in the mail and it had party favors and hats and whistles and cake. I can't mail ice cream. I tried. It melted. Uh, so they got cake and a birthday candle. And, and we just, I came up with some games to play and we played games and ate birthday cake and sang happy birthday. And it was, it was great. That's wonderful. Yeah. I mean, this is your first book. You've got to mark that in a way, but it wouldn't be, the book wouldn't be here without Madeline and without your journey. So that's very fitting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Obviously I would have, I would have, preferred to have it you know I don't know a Chuck E. Cheese or something but you we don't always get what we want I've, I've learned that the hard way I think the Rolling Stones had a song about that yes <laughs> <laughs> well I want to bring it back to the book again um then I'm just kind of moving down your hilarious bullet points okay. why you should quote do more good Stuff. Stuff. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm not really sure what, what four, three, four, or five letter words we can really get away with on a podcast, but so I'll just say. <laughs> You're in charge. You can get away whatever you want. Oh, well, yeah, exactly. Right, right, right. <laughs> I should, you, th- you would think that I would have more clout than that. Apparently I don't always. So. Oh, got it. <laughs> why you should do more good stuff. Yeah. So um, tell us about that. Just, I found very early on in my, in my grief journey, there were things that made me feel bad and there were things that made me feel less bad. Not good. I mean, cause when you're in that heavy debilitating, very early, nothing feels good. Yeah. Um, but I found that there were things that made me feel less bad. So I did more of those things. Mm-hmm whether that was going on a walk or I learned to crochet little, um, little tiny baby blankets and angel wings that I donate. And I still make them. I donate them to organizations that give care packages to babies in the NICU. Um, You know, it was things like that, that made me feel less bad. And so I did things that made me feel less bad. (laughs) that is sound advice for anyone i think so yeah (laughs) and even when you're in the depths of grief um just working with your hands doing that crochet um i know i was in a a musical one time about women in the westward expansion called quilters a wonderful play and um one of the one of the lines these i mean these women had horrific stories harsh harsh hard stories and they were the stories were based on actual diaries from women on the Westward expansion, and one of them was saying that in her grief she just like would pick up a quilt piece, and as she did this, like her mind became clearer again. There's something about creation. There's something about doing your, you know, keeping your hands busy. Something about having a purpose in making something that can doesn't fix anything but it helps lift you up and out of what you're doing and what you're, what you're feeling. So yeah. Raising yeah, the vibration. Exactly that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so 
do you, as time goes by, do you find that has changed for you, what you do to lift yourself up? I find that there are things that kind of come and go from the repertoire of things that make me feel less bad. Mm -hmm. Um, But there are some staples there, like crocheting, little, little things. Now I, now I make some hats and, you know, I just kind of switch it up, but it's, it's crocheting is how it is. Um, And that really, um, that really helps me. Mm-hmm. So it, it brings me a lot of, of comfort to one, it's doing something with my hands that means that those hands can't be putting Oreos in my mouth. That helps a lot too. Um, but I know that I'm bringing comfort to someone else by doing those things. So by helping someone else, I'm helping myself. You know, there's a reason why the serving spoon is much bigger than the eating spoon. (laughs) And that reason is? Because serving is more important than taking. Yes. Serving can help you feel whole and like you're contributing, like you just makes you feel a little lifted up, right? Taking only numbs or quiets what's going on, but serving actually lifts you up. So uh, I think that's why the serving spoon is bigger than the eating spoon. Although you could probably eat with a serving spoon. I was going to say, unless it comes to ice cream and then you use a serving spoon. (laughs) (laughs) Or a ladle. (laughs) Or a ladle, yeah. Um, Also, I wanted to talk about um, (laughs) my grief can beat up your grief. I just thought that was, I just got swept up in a moment there with my be, my grief can beat up your grief. So what, tell us about that. What does well, that mean to you? I think that everyone wants their grief, whatever it is, to be uniquely theirs and uniquely the best. Um, you know, I, right after I lost my daughter, would hear other stories of other mothers that lost children and unconsciously in my mind I would say at least they did this or I got to I didn't get to or you know and so I was trying to compare like instantly compare my grief to theirs and make mine better or worse depending on how you looked at it um and I think we all do that you know what no matter what it is um unconsciously or subconsciously. And while I think that's a coping mechanism and something that kind of needs to happen, especially early on, um, it's not particularly healthy in the long run. If we can just understand that there, there are a lot of similarities in grief, no matter what you're grieving, there are a lot of you know ways that you can extrapolate what other people have done and felt and talked about regarding their grief and apply it to your own grief. Um, you know, so kind of pl- you know the play on the well, my dad can beat up your dad kind of thing. Right. Exactly. Not really. <laughs> um, well, they're just different. 
Right. Yeah. And of course you mean that in a very tongue in cheek way. Yes. You know, approaching this with whimsy and humor. Yes. Right. So, I mean, it does evoke kind of an image when you say my grief can beat up your grief. It's like, okay, I kind of have a whole picture of what that looks like. And we all know people who, um, well, in fact, we, we do this too when we're in the depths of grief. It's like, there is no other grief besides my grief right now. Right. Right. That my grief is the most important grief right now because it's the one I am feeling. And, and it is the most important grief that you are feeling. Yes. Um, I was, I was baffled that the world continued to spin right after my daughter died. Like how are people going to the bank and the grocery store and functioning while I'm here in the worst pain physically and emotionally, I feel like anyone could ever go through. Um, You know, and so that's kind of like, it is very tongue in cheek in that, Everyone, everyone's grief is different, but it's not better or worse, or one is not, one cannot actually beat up the other one's grief. It's, they're all just different. They're on the same playing field, just different. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I do want to spend a little bit of time on your whole project of sharing solace, because that was really the precursor to this book. You started, man, you don't do, you don't do anything by halves, Crystal. (laughs) You just dive the F in. Go big or go home. Come on. (laughs) So talk a bit about what sharing solace is and uh, what it's for and why you started it. Yeah. Well, you know why I started it, Madeline. Um, And it's really a way to help grievers grieve and to help those that love grievers love their griever. Um, I'm, I'm wearing our necklace. I love my necklace. Um, and we, we offer symbolic and physical gifts in the form of a necklace and a keychain. And the idea is that you keep it with you near your heart as long as it brings you comfort. Oftentimes in that initial kind of debilitating grief. Um, And when you find that it doesn't bring you comfort anymore, it symbolically is telling you it's time to release that debilitating, heavy, heavy grief. Um, And that's when you take out the middle token, put it into a new locket, and you pay that new locket forward on to somebody else you know that needs love and support as they go through their own grief, whatever that grief may be. And then the backside of each of the middle tokens has a special identifier on it that allows you to register it on our website and actually follow it as it moves from person to person. And that's really the the secret sauce and what makes this so much more than just a tchotchke. You've built a community around this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's, that is what I found is the most important Um, because you do, you feel so alone in your grief. Like I understand logically one in four women in their lifetime will lose a pregnancy or an infant. Um, One in eight women suffer um, fertility issues. Like that's 25 and 12. That's a lot of people. Women. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But when you're going through it yourself, 
you feel completely alone. You feel like you're the only one that has ever experienced this, no matter what it is. I mean, it, it could be the loss of a job. It could be the loss of a, a, a dog or a pet. like Or a relationship. Or a relationship. And not even like a romantic relationship. It could be a friendship relationship or a, a business partnership. Like those are all things that you can grieve. Um, and you oftentimes feel completely alone. Like no one understands it. Um, but if you allow yourself to see that there are other people that have experienced similar, not exactly the same, but similar situations, then it's a lot easier to move towards your new happy and your new normal. Right. And so I think that's what's most important with um, sharing solace is that through the tokens that you pay forward to another person, if and when the time is right, um, we've built a community of people saying, look, sometimes life sucks, but we're here to lift you up and we're here to give you our strength when you might not have the strength that you need. And let's, let's do this together. Yeah. I think that's, that's maybe the biggest message. And you know, that I feel like that comes through in your book because it's not just your stories, it's other stories as well. And we find that, um, you know, everybody's grief is different, but we do share commonalities in it, right? And I think that is very powerful. So, um, Crystal, is there anything else that you feel like we need to mention before we, we end our time together today? I feel like we covered it all. I mean, you're, you're right in that, you know, I, the stories in this book are community and, and universal stories. I just happen to be holding the pen this time. Maybe next time you're holding the pen. Who knows? Right, right. Yeah, and you're already receiving um, great reviews, great notices about your book. This is so exciting. I love exciting. to interview authors. And, um, you know, we can find this. Where can we find this book? Um, the best place to go is sharingsolace.com Perfect. Um, because that's where Madeline is. Um, but of course you can find it, you know, on Barnes and Noble and Amazon and any place you get a, any place you get a book, you might have to ask for it. Um, but it's there. And Confessions of a Grieving Mother is the title. Confessions of a Griever. A griever. So yeah. sorry. I should have yeah. had it right in front of me. Confessions <laughs> of a Griever. I knew I'd screw that up. Confessions of a Griever by Crystal Webster. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would recommend this book for anybody who suffered any type of loss. And we've all suffered losses, right? Unfortunately, yes. Griever. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately. And so visit the website sharingsolace.com and find this book wherever fine books are sold. Yeah. Yay. Confessions of a Griever. All right. Thank you so much, Crystal, for joining me today. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. We'll do this next time you have a book out. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) 
Radiate Wellness is a community of holistic and alternative healers and consultants based in the Kansas City area dedicated to helping you create spiritual, energetic, and physical well-being. To learn more about our practitioners, services, classes, and events, or to schedule an appointment, visit us at radiatewellnesscommunity.com. Hi, I'm Jane Asher, and I believe, and from what I've been shown, that when our loved ones die, they don't really leave. They just slip into the next room. On my podcast, I explore the bigger picture surrounding life on Earth and what follows when we do die. I speak with authors, friends, transition specialists, and other experts about every facet of death, dying, grief, hospice care, cultural traditions, and also our beliefs about that final journey and what we may end up facing. Please join me on the next room on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.